Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. For some members of the Denver Broncos right now, they got 90 guys on the team, by the way. And for about 22 of those guys, this game doesn't matter, and they probably won't play in it. Maybe there'll be a few more. Andrew Mason joined us earlier and said, yeah, maybe there's some guys who've proven enough. They're not starters, but they're going to make the team, so they'll get the tap on the shoulder, and they won't have to play either. But for most of the guys on the roster right now, this last game is nut-cutting time, as they say. It's time to go lay it all out on the field. I've been in that position. Most of the time I was in the NFL, I was I was in that position where I had to play in that last game. And in my mind, I had to have a good game if I was going to make the team. Certainly at the beginning of my tenure, I had to. Um, and I just want to know your guys' experiences with this last preseason game. And I imagine it's you probably never had to play in it. Um, Chad, you played 15 years. I, I, actually, the last of your 15 years, yes. you did have to play in it. Mm-hmm. And it's fu- It's not funny, but it's ironic how it ends. You know, like... <laughs> Full career arc. Yeah. Yes. The rookie year where you're playing all the preseason games, trying to you know make yourself a, uh, a slot on the roster, prove to the coaches what you can do. So you did have to play him in, in the rookie year? Uh, I did. Pittsburgh, too, yes, so. I did. Uh, I was not a uh, valuable enough guy, even though I was part of the game plan where I did not have to play in week four. Uh, I think in my second year, I still played in week four. But then after that, I went a long time without playing in week four. And then I got to New England at the end of my career, and then I had to play in those preseason games. Um, So year 13, uh, nope, I didn't play in week four. But year 15, I did. Uh, And I remember being out there and Bo Scaife. Local Denver product. It's uh, like, what are you doing out here, old man? I'm like, I'm doing the same thing you're doing out here. I'm trying to get a spot on this roster. What do you think? How do you think this works? What about you, Big O? You ever have, have to play in this last game? No, I, I never had to, but my career was a lot shorter than Chad's. I, I would imagine that, you know, I probably, at the time when I retired, I probably had at least two more years left of starting the capability in the National Football League. And, you know, the longer you go, the, the more likely you are to end up on that thing when you become a swing guy. So, um, you know, I, I just, I remember my rookie year, I thought I had to play in it. And the, the vets were just so cruel to me and so mean. And everybody was in on it. And the, the offensive line coach as well. And I got my offensive line coach telling me that, hey, just so you know, we're only dressing seven or eight guys, but if we get dinged up, like you're going in this game, so make sure you're taped up and ready to go. So the whole entire time I'm pacing back and forth on the sideline in preseason game number four, and at the end of the game he tells me, like, you were never going in. You do realize that, right? And I did not know that. So, uh, you know, cruel things happen. <laughs> but mind games, right? Yeah. Mind games. <laughs> So, so the offensive line clearly an area that has to improve on this team. You've talked about what keeping about nine. Um, I would say at least eight on the active roster, right. um, and then having probably a, another guy or two on practice squad. So they got fifteen guys right now. Um, anything these last guys can do on the back end of this, like Isaiah Prince, is he going to make this team? Yes, I truly believe he is going to make this team. Um, it kind of bothers me. Right now, when you go to the Denver Broncos website and you look at their unofficial depth chart, they have Cam Fleming at both the backup right tackle and left tackle. Uh, I think Isaiah Prince has earned the right 
to continue to get reps. And, and I really believe that this week coming, this is where he separates himself. You know, I talk, I know I talked him up before that Arizona game and he didn't look good, but I got news for you. Nobody looked good on that offensive line in the Arizona game. Right. So I, I think he's a, a, a young, talented player that you could definitely continue to develop. What about a guy like Kareem Jackson? Do you think he's going to have to suit up in this game? Do you think he's playing for his job? Yeah, I, I think K-Jack will suit up. But the good news is when you look at just kind of how Sean Payton has done things, Randy Gregory was playing deep into the third quarter the last game. Yeah. Um, you know, Frank Clark deep into the fourth quarter the last game, right? So I don't think that Kareem Jackson will feel any type of way. He knows that he came back on a one-year deal and it was not a lot of money and, you know, the streets were cold on the other side. So if it's something that you got to do, you got to do it. I do believe if K-Jack does play in this game, he's probably going to be at the 15 to 20 snap, right? Like it's not going to be like a dog session where you got, you got to go play every snap and to go fight. For, like I, I do believe that Sean Payton was still kind of let off the gas a little bit with Kareem Jackson. How about Alberto? Anything Alberto can do, Chad? At this point, Alberto stepped up his uh, his uh, his game the last. He had the big boom hit last Wednesday that I saw in, in practice. Now again, he caught the outside linebacker what, slipping. What's the big boom hit? Uh, the outside linebacker got upfield, known was blocking him, didn't have his eyes towards the inside, and Alberto was able to clean his clock, put him on his back. Um, but then Alberto had a nice block on the uh, Jaleel McLaughlin touchdown run. He knocked the edge guy, you know, six, seven yards down the field. Um, so Alberto was certainly, I think, heard the whispers, uh, saw that depth chart two weeks ago where he was fifth, um, and has motivated him in some ways to step up his blocking game. Has he done enough? Is it, you know, too little, too late? Uh, we will find out. If, if I were a betting man, I would say the odds are he will not be on this active roster. Um, but I can see a way where he has improved enough where he may have given himself another shot. Broncos got a special guest today at practice, fellas. Who's that? Drew Brees. Oh, oh he's coming out there? Yeah, he's out there today. Special little guest. Mike Kliss just tweeted out. What's he going to be doing? He's going to be talking to talking to the team? <laughs> he's chatting with former coach Sean Payton. As we speak, I guess. Mike Kliss just tweeted that out. Wow. So he's, so he's out there on the field. How do you think that makes Russell feel? How does I think Russell, Russell's probably oohing and on and, and thinking like this is... Yeah. I think Drew Brees is one of Russell Wilson's idols. Like, if not the idol at the quarterback position. And, and he wants to know that how did you do it for so long from the pocket, right? And being around the same height. Who's taller? Is Drew taller? Drew's taller, I think. Yeah? Yeah, okay. a little bit. Oh, you, you remember... This offseason, like, Russell was blowing up Drew Brees, like, all the time. Wanted to get together, wanted to talk about the system, wanted to talk about football. So much to the point, Drew Brees is like, man, you got to take that job and get this guy off my back. He's blowing <laughs> yes, me sir. up. Blowing me up. I think they live out. How do we city. get Sean Payton here, Drew? Yeah, exactly. I think they live in the same neighborhood in the Rancho Santa Fe. Where'd you live when you were in San Diego? Out there? Um, right up the street from there, actually. Right about about a half a mile away from where, where these guys live, yeah. My old financial advisor lived out there, and I lived with him for a while while I was training to get back in the league after I got cut. Uh, Turns out that he was uh, running a Ponzi scheme, and he took all our money. Uh, so he said, hey, you can stay here for as long as you want for free. You don't have to pay any rent, man. It's cool. Oh, Just boy. come and go. Yeah, you've paid for the house. I yeah. was already paying rent. <laughs> More than I care to share. Um, but he lived in the that housing, like a... Uh, complex that was on 
the, that golf course where every street was named for a Bing Crosby song or movie? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's right outside of Poway. I know exactly what you're talking about. He, he lived on Going My Way. Nice. <laughs> it was it was quite an interesting time going in my life. His way, yeah. Things were they weren't going things, his way. Things were not going. Did he end up in prison or, or he, he did or did he, he had to go to jail? He went to jail. He also okay. wore a wire to try to get some other agents in some in some deals where they were trying to extort money from other players. Wow. He got sued and uh, yeah, I never got my money back, man. I had a financial guy that just uh, just hit it, did the same exact thing. And he was just like, the, the feds were cracking down on him, and he fled the country. Oh, really? So, yeah. And did you ever hear from him again? Never heard anything from him, and he had about uh, 50 clients that were invested in this Ponzi scheme. Oh, my goodness. Football players, basketball players, baseball players, budget guys. Chad, oh, you ever... See you later. <laughs> pretty much, dude. Did you ever uh, do anything stupid with your money? Did you ever get taken? Did you oh, ever get of course. I, I think as a professional athlete, it's, it's really just, we are prey for those predators out there, and uh, I have suffered as well, and it was a painful, painful loss to get the phone call. Um, the guy actually ended up uh, committing suicide. Oh my goodness! Um, and so the the money uh, he didn't, you know, do it on uh, you know cocaine and, and hookers. You know, he spent it on a on the project, but the project was just so poorly managed. There was no money left. And uh, when I sat down with some of the other investors. You know, I'm you know there you know crying into my Chipotle. We were all eating, <laughs> and they were all like, you know what? For you, you're a professional athlete. You you know you you're not a professional investor. I can understand you know you being taken, but this is what I do, and I got taken. So don't feel bad. Basically, you know, I'm I'm a seasoned investor. I've been doing real estate for thirty years, and he got my money too. I was like, well, I. That doesn't help me because I'm out my money. Yeah. And I earned it with my body. And my body's only got so many miles on it. I don't and know I'm using them all up. Me. <laughs> I, I'm using them all up. Jeez. So, yes. I, I want that money back desperately. That doesn't make me feel any less better. No. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. <laughs> Did you have some anger issues for that from that for a while? Uh, how'd yeah. You, how'd you come to terms with it? Because I had some anger issues because we were friends, you well, know? Uh, like, we were buddies. I thought we were buddies. And, uh... And it turns out we were not. <laughs> so I had some anger issues, and I was plotting things in my mind. No, things started going poorly, and I was hearing all the reports of things going poorly. And then I got the phone call, you know, literally one morning that he had, you know, been found dead. Yikes. Um, all right, guys. <clears throat> Shifting gears a little bit here. The Good Guys Car Show is upon us. September 8th through the 10th. Loveland, Colorado, America's favorite car show, returns to the Rockies for its 40th anniversary season of cool cars, cool people, and good times. Grab your family and friends. Head on out to the Ranch Events Complex in Loveland the weekend of September 8th through the 10th for the good guys. 25th Grundy Insurance Colorado Nationals presents Griot's Garage. See over 2,000 of the country's finest 1998 and older hot rods, trucks, customs, Muscle cars and classics on display. Check out Good Guys Classic Performance Products Autocross Racing Series action featuring the Western State Shootout on Saturday. Experience a tire smoke and burnout competition and earth shaking Nitro Thunderfest Vintage Dragster Exhibition. Shop the Swap Meet, Cars for Sale Corral, and Vendor Midway. Enjoy live music and bring the little ones. To the free kids zone on Sunday, see which rides take home the top awards of the weekend, including Builder's Choice Awards by Eric Peratt of Pinky's Rod Shop. 
And also on Sunday, American-made or powered late models of all years are welcome for our uh, McGuire's All-American Sunday celebration. For complete details and to register your vehicle or purchase tickets, visit good-guys.com. That's G-O-O-D-G-U-Y-S.com. Hang with the good guys where real car people come to play. All right, right now we're doing a giveaway. Caller number four, pick up the phone. Is it four tickets, Johnny? Four tickets to the Good Guys Car Show. That's 303-713-1043 right now. Pick up that phone if you'd like to attend. All right, so when we get back, yesterday we had a conversation about the third quarterback. Would it be smart to keep the third quarterback on your 53-man roster? We got some clarification on that new rule, and we'll share that next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Mucho gusto. Me amo Brad Lee. Welcome back to the Players Club. Mike Kliss giving us a lot of information about what's going on at, at Broncos practice today via his Twitter, or as Chad calls it, Twitter. <laughs> haven't used that one in a while. That's a good one. Uh, anyway, um, all right. So the Broncos have added uh, XFL wide receiver Josh Hammond, and um, Jalen Virgil goes to IR. Which is really unfortunate, Jalen Virgil. I like that kid. I think he's very talented, and he's been resilient. Um, explosive play last year, explosive play this year. Trying to score a touchdown, tears his meniscus, has surgery, so he's out. And um, they had to replace him, so they've done so with Josh Hammond. The Broncos are practicing today inside the Pat Boland Fieldhouse because of the hot, windy conditions. And robust joint practices with Rams starting tomorrow and Thursday. Uh, in addition to that stuff, Drew Brees is in the building today. Special guest, Broncos practice, Drew Brees. He's chatting with his former coach, Sean Payton. What do you think they're talking about? It's got to be about uh, Russell Wilson. It's got to be about quarterback Russ. play. Is it all about Russ? Still? It is. Mainly. It's all about Russ. Yes, mainly, mostly. I also think like Sean, like Sean Payton definitely trusts Drew Brees a little bit more than Russell Wilson. So maybe it's... Uh, you know, just Drew Brees giving us a little bit of suggestions, right? Yep. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they have that report. And, you know, Drew Brees seems like a student of the game. I know that he was at Purdue last year and helping coaching and stuff like that. So I could easily see him just kind of giving his two cents on what he's seen over the last uh, couple of weeks or the preseason showings. Or, you know, maybe Drew Brees has access to what's going on out there in yeah. the facility as well. Maybe he's going to do the Mike Shanahan thing where he go, he gets the video sent to him at home. He can watch all that stuff, yeah. stuff contribute to the game plan a little bit. Yeah, if he's willing to do it, why not, right? If, if you're Sean Payton and you ask Drew Brees, would you do this? Or Drew Brees even asked to do that, I would definitely grant him that type of access. Um, Drew Brees did one year of broadcasting, then he moved on from that. Mm. Chad, what, any inclination on why Drew Brees left the media world so quickly? Uh, he's not the first guy to get one opportunity, one year of opportunity, and then not uh, meet the expectations. And I think the expectations are not met on both sides. Uh, 
Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a when you first retire, I think you're uncertain as to what you're going to do. And you think, oh, I want to get into broadcasting. And then you realize you're close to the game where it's close enough to tease you, but you don't you don't live and die. You know, you're not connected to it. You're not inside the stripes. You're on the outside of the stripes. So, you know, in the locker room where everyone's hooting and hollering and having a, a great time, you're going back to your hotel room by yourself. You got makeup on your face. Yeah, and you got man makeup on. So it kind of sucks. You're, you're in a different uniform. You're wearing a suit as a uniform. So I, I think there's probably a little disillusionment from some of these guys, uh, Drew Brees being one of them. At the same time, uh, the, the reviews for Drew Brees weren't very great as a broadcaster. And I think he decided he was going to put his attention to something he felt a little bit more comfortable with, which was coaching. So then he went to Purdue and did that last year. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. You know, Chad gives it to you from both sides. All I know is when you retire, typically the game of football, that door is shut on you. You don't have an option. You know, I would say, what, 95% of the times guys are forced into retirement. So you have to find a way to kind of scratch that itch. I did it with broadcasting, and this was enough for me. But that might not be enough for the next person, right? And when I got that unique opportunity a couple years ago to go coach, Doing it, you know, I was able to scratch a bigger itch and realize that, man, I like this, but I didn't like what came with it, the traveling and being away from my family. So I was like, let me go park it right back and broadcast it. So I think that's the fine line that we're trying to figure out. And some of us get that option and some of us never get that option. And we end up seeing guys struggle because of it. So did you feel as connected to the football team when you were coaching versus yes. versus playing? Yes, I, I, I felt even more connected. I felt when we lost games, I felt worse as a coach than I felt as a player when I played in games. And that was kind of eye-opening to me just because of what goes on behind the scenes as a coach and how you're constantly trying to stay ahead and, you know, the game planning and the 20-hour days and, you know, your weekend is from Friday afternoon to Saturday morning. You get 17 hours. That's your weekend as a coach, right? So you're constantly doing things. So it, I felt worse. And then, you know, I had to go back in my hotel room and stay between those four walls. I didn't have the family with me. So it wasn't, it wasn't as easy for me to kind of get over a loss. It was constantly on my mind for sure. You do gain another locker room because as a coach, you enjoy the player locker room. Not the same way as you did as a player, but you still get to participate in some of that. But then you have the coach's locker room. And coaches are just as silly and as dumb as players. So we had all kind of laughs in there. We had a great time. You know, and all my internships, it was a great group of guys, a lot of fun. And, you know, every coach was a former player at some point, even if they didn't play in the NFL. So they understand the locker room culture and the shenanigans and fun and, you know, pulling pulling pranks on people. It's all. Wait, coaches time. are pulling pranks? Absolutely. On, on other coaches? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Like what? You know, just I- messing with your locker, taking your stuff out of your locker, just being silly. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, Telling uh, you got to do work. Yes. And you think that you have to do it because oh, you're in a new yeah. guy in the room. Yes, and then yeah. you go spend four hours doing something that yeah. means absolutely nothing. And you hand them in and they go, oh, you really did that? <laughs> yeah. We were joking. <laughs> like, I what? spent three hours breaking down tape. All right, fellas. Yeah. Another note about Jalen Virgil. Um, he's going to miss the entire season. So oh. that's what Mike Cliss says. So Because oh. it said IR. Is that- I know, but he, Mike says... That's short term. Another IR? note that says this means Virgil will miss the entire season. So unfortunate as he made a play in each preseason game. So your heart breaks for him. It. Yeah, yeah, you hate it for that young man. You yeah, know, this is 
second year new coach, get an opportunity to dazzle him. But this might end up working out for his favor in a deep wide receiver room, right? Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, just he has to keep his head up, attack his rehab, how we attack the game of football. There's no secret that this young man has a little bit of a dog in him yep. making this football team last year. So yep. uh, hopefully he's able to come back bigger, faster, and stronger. Well, Drew Brees isn't the only special guest out at practice today. There's another guy out there who's uh, a pretty famous pass rusher. He's not he's not playing in the league anymore, but, um, well, we'll share that with you. And, and also I'll share why Chad Brown doesn't like it so much. That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. She's simply... She touched by me and painted on jeans. Okay. Oh. And no head turn because she was the queen. See, I just left it. I thought Chad was yeah, going to jump in. Well, I thought you, I mean, I you left Chad, me out. But I thought Chad was going to jump in. This is a trio. It's not a duet. It's a trio. Chad's too cool, man. <laughs> I was listening to Johnny, sorry. That's too cool, man. He's like Poindexter. He's standing on the wall. Like you would Poindexter. Mm-hmm. Bust a move, Chad. Uh, no, I don't want to. No, I'm protesting. <laughs> is it a protest or is it a contest? It's a protest. Billy Ocean Day 2, 99. 99. Aaron Donald. Not going to be swinging helmets this week. He's got a baby on the way. Think it's going to soften up Aaron Donald a little bit and become a no nice guy. That dude's a trained assassin. Yeah, what's he going to do when he's done playing? Assassinate people for the government. Think? I don't yeah. think could he sneak up on anybody? <laughs> Warren Sapp's a great ninety-nine Hall yeah. of Famer. Oh yeah, the great one, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Warren Sapp, one of the one of the best you know talkers the game's ever seen as well. There's no doubt. Yeah. Ronaldo. Another no, great 99. Manny Ramirez. Did you say J.J. Watt? J.J. Swat? J.J. Watt, yep. You said Gretzky, right? I did say Gretzky. Uh, Jason Taylor. Yeah. That's a great number, man. Right. It's low-key, like uh, a top-notch number. Still coaching in Miami, right? With Jason Taylor, yep. Yep. DeForest Buckner. Jerome Brown. Cortez Aaron. Kennedy, Hall of Famer. Aaron Judge. My big guy, LeVon Kirkland, the biggest linebacker ever. Brett Kiesel. All these guys I played with. Yeah, you played with yeah, you played with, yeah, you you are that old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that old. Yes, I am. Uh, no, I played against Kiesel. Yeah. I'm not just messing with you. It's all good. Just messing uh, with you, but man. just like all around good number for all sports. Right? Yeah. yeah, basketball players, hockey players, uh, baseball, baseball, soccer. It could be the best multi-sport number. I, mean, I think it is actually. It's definitely up there. For so sure. we're also saying on the on the Ramoslav.com text line, '99 is a hit song by the band Toto. Mm. So that's cool. And Jay-Z's 99 problems. But, uh... <laughs> finish the line, Chad. No, it's for you. Come on, man. You got this. Can't do it. FCC won't let me be. Mm. Or let me be me. You said something earlier. You said, yeah, cleaned his clock. Yes. Where do you think that metaphor comes from? That's a great question. Uh, you you are always full of these questions. That's, that these one phrases. is just, I was, as you said it, I was thinking, that. how does that make sense? Because... It seems like a very delicate process, cleaning a clock. And it, it, it seems like if you hit something as hard as it would take to clean someone's clock in the metaphorical world, you'd break the clock. It wouldn't be clean, it'd be broken. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I'm, trying to, I'm looking this up now. Don't be the guy who looks it up, so someone else is going to look it up. 
John's looking it up. Our, our text line's looking it up. Anyway, we'll get back to the cleaning the clock. It peaked in the, uh, like, around 1910, this phrase. Oh, it peaked. Yes. There was a peak. Yes, I'm on the, uh, the Grammarist.com website. Okay. And they give a usage uh, chart. And okay, they, well, did they, t- did they give the origin of the... Uh, it doesn't... Doesn't speak to what you're saying because yes, if you were to clean a clock, it would imply a very delicate process. You're not breaking out a your power washer to clean your clock. You know, some fine solvents and some tools, a little thing you cover your eye up with. It's got the like magnifier on it. Yes, it's all kind of delicate equipment when cleaning clocks or watches um, versus you know blasting somebody and, and you saying I clean that guy's clock and everyone knows what that means. Remember '99 Luft Balloons as well. That yes. song. Yes. Maybe we can play that next... Uh, Nana was the band. <laughs> what about Mark Gastineau? He was in 99. There we go. Did uh, you play against Gastineau? No, I did not. <laughs> why, why do you laugh like it was like that? New York Sack Exchange. He retired like in the 80s, man. You came in the league in 91. No, 93 was my rookie year. All right, my bad, man. Yeah. My bad. Come on. I was, an, I was a freshman in high school, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so some more information from Mike Kliss about practice today, and it's good news. It's good news if you're a Broncos fan. What's up? You were a freshman in high school in 93? 93. Nice. I graduated in 97. Yeah. So I guess it was 94. 93, 94. 94. Yeah, 97. Mark Gassino's last year was 88. My mm-hmm. freshman year at CU. Did you ever watch I that? I was young once, too. <laughs> 88 was your freshman year at CU? Yeah. Did you ever watch the Gassino girls? The was, TV show? Yeah. No. Yeah, you did. Chad. No, I have this not. Guy wants so when you girls. started your Chad freshman Brown. year at CU and started like training camp and all that stuff and. As a freshman, I was, what, seven months old? Oh, nice, Chad. Yeah, so my, my, my very first preseason game, I get into the game, David Little's playing linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I get in the game with David Little, and with the TV timeout, and I turn to him and I say, your rookie year, I was in the third grade. Oh, wow. What did he say to you? He Smack. <laughs> on the side of my helmet and said, shut up, rookie, get in the huddle. <laughs> that's what I did. So it's a tried and true kind of moment where yes. the young guy tells the old guy that he's been watching him since he was a kid. Right. There's a, I don't know if you guys have been watching Hard Knocks, but I think it's, um, what's the receiver's name? Elijah Mitchell? Or Eli- uh, what's, what's Is it Moore? That's- Elijah Moore. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he goes up to Aaron Rodgers and he's talking about how he's been watching Aaron Rodgers since he was a kid. And uh, since he was like a little kid and he just has so much love for him. So... It's a compliment, for sure. Right. you made it that far. Right. And I mentioned it as a compliment for David, but he took it as an insult. As hey, I man, as you're it. old. When, when, when Randy Moss would call me old-timer when we were at the Patriots, I was like, I've got like four years on you. <laughs> Stop calling me old-timer. <laughs> Say that to Tom or Junior Seau or somebody. All right, got some, got some Broncos news from Mike Kliss. He's out there at practice, and he's tweeting out what he's seeing. Um, Jared Allen is out at practice again. He has been helping coach up the Broncos pass rushers from time to time. Jared Allen and Drew Brees out at Broncos practice. Chad, how helpful is Jared Allen to be out there for these young pass rushers? I'm super curious about that. What What is... Now, could you glean some information from a Hall of Fame pass rusher? Yes, you, you can. DeMarcus Ware worked with the Broncos pass rushers a couple of years back when VJ was here. Um, but DeMarcus Ware was also on Dancing with the Stars. 
So is he breaking down tape or is he just showing up at practice and saying, oh, you got to put your hand here and do this and do that? Coaching is about repetition, consistency, honing of the message, stacking days upon each other so we can complete this thing. You can't show somebody your entire pass rush move in one day. They've got to hone all these various aspects of it before they put it together. So whether it's T.O. Up, up in Boulder with the buffs up there or Jared Allen here, I'm just curious about the – actual impact of these guys coming out and how does it the position coach take it on one hand you should be open to having your coaching improved upon but on the other hand dude I'm grinding 16 18 hours a day and this dude shows up and he tells the guys what to do I, I wouldn't like that what about just the presence of having a, 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 a player of his caliber and quality and reputation around just kind of bringing up the level and the juice in everybody and getting people excited? Like, you, you know, T.O. was up in Boulder as well, mm-hmm. uh, hanging out with a guy. Did you did you enjoy T.O. being up there? I got the same the same pushback of, is T.O., has he sat in coaches' meetings? Does he understand where we're trying to get our receivers to execute? Or is he just going out and giving random advice? I don't want my guys getting random advice. I want advice that's based on what we do because there's lots of ways to play receiver and there's lots of advice you could give, but does it fit within what we do? And as a pass rusher, Jared Allen, he could talk about what he did to sack a quarterback, but if he's playing in a different style and different demands and different expectations, how does that fit within what we do? I would not want my players to get coaching that is separate from what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think it's a slippery slope no matter how you look at it. You know, I think Jared Allen's good for like a guy like Randy Gregory, Frank Clark. Some of these guys that are a little bit more established that they already kind of trust their game and have done it over and over and over again. But if I am a position coach, I'm not really saying I'm telling Jared Allen like, hey, with all due respect, like Nick Benino, some of these younger guys, that I'm trying to get them to a certain level, but I'm also breaking bad habits, maybe leave those guys alone. But if you want to, you know, talk to Randy Gregory about a pass rush move or, you know, you, Randy, you want to, like, try to, you know, jump in with a, a, a guy that's a little bit more of a veteran, yeah, you know, I, I think that you could do that because those guys are a little bit more established. They have had the repetition. They are doing certain things, and they're constantly working their craft. But some of these guys are, are trying to figure out how they fit in the league. And they, it could just become this information overload, and you could end up doing a little bit more uh, harm than good, in my opinion. But at the same time, I guess Jared Allen is considering getting into coaches or coaching. Sean Payton views him highly and wants to maybe get, let him scratch the itch a little bit here in this first training camp. And maybe going forward in years to follow, Jared Allen could be a staple here in Broncos country. All right, Mike Kliss has some more information about guys who've been injured who are back at practice, and we'll share that with you next. Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. When I heard the song, I wanted to learn how to play the bass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? And then what happened after that? Uh, I started playing football. And you just went and cleaned people's clocks. That, I, I, clock cleaning path was probably... Better than the base path for me. By the way, Ramoslog.com text line, you let us down. Nobody gave us. Let this play a little bit, though. Turn this up. You guys understand the words? It's something about the apocalypse and nuclear war in Germany. 
Yeah, the Ramoslaw.com text line, you guys let us down. Nobody really looked up the, the clock cleaning origin. But maybe, just maybe, like, your your own faculties in your head are considered, like, your clock. Uh. And when you clean them, you knock them, you knock them out. Mm-hmm. And so you clean the clock. Basically, you reset the clock. Did that make sense? I can see that. I found something on Google. Oh, tell me, John. Um, it says, since a clock has a face... And cleaning someone's clock, cleaning someone's clock often implies punching someone in the face. The word "clean" also had a slang definition, meaning to defeat or beat in the 1800s. Okay, so clean the clock, just beating someone up, just beating, just knocking them out, just catching them in the mental foramen. You know what the mental foramen are? These little two dots on your chin that, that it's the knockout button. Mm-hmm. That's why you go night-night when you get hit right there. Mm. All right, Mike Kliss giving us some information on injured players who are back at practice out there today. Now, first off, Jared Allen, former pass rusher, and Drew Brees, former quarterback, are out there as well. So there's some juice out there at practice. It's an alumni day there as well. So there's a, some alumni out watching practice. They're doing an alumni lunch afterwards. So... A lot of action over there today, but some great news when it comes to the injured front with the Broncos. Right tackle Mike McGlinchey's back at practice, you guys. Good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like the Broncos are getting healthier, and um, definitely that's a good sign for this football team. Yep. Um, wide receiver Brandon Johnson also back out there practicing. So is tight end Chris Manhurts. So is Justin Simmons. Good news. And so is running back Tyler Beatty. So look at that, guys. All good news. Um that would lead one to believe that the kind of the, the way they approach these injured guys was effective. Right? I would agree with that. Yeah. And then there were f- folks like, you know, Justin Simmons has got a place like, ah, you know, you got to heal. And for a groin injury for Justin Simmons, that takes time. For Mike McGlinchey to be back so early with a knee injury or the knee sprain, that's awesome news. Um, but yeah, when you have your veteran players, caution is the mode you need to operate under, not uh, rushing guys back out there. All right, oh, yesterday we were talking about the, the third quarterback on a 53-man roster and, w- and what we thought these Broncos might do. Keep three or keep two? Keep Jared Stidham and Ben DiNucci or just Jared Stidham put Ben DiNucci on the practice squad? Um, the NFL is clarifying their <sighs> rule on this, and they're bringing back the third quarterback rule uh, with, with a few tweaks. First, the third quarterback must be on the 53-man roster. This could prompt uh, plenty of, this is per pro football talk. This could prompt plenty of teams to never utilize it. But to the teams that do, they'll be permitted to dress the third quarterback without having him count against the game day limit. Mm. So 45 guys typically suit up. It could be 46 if you want to dress that guy. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, they're able to manipulate it a little bit because even if you have a guy on your, you know, if, if Russell Wilson gets banged up week three, right? At that point, I would just activate my quarterback on the 53-man roster, and now I'm, I'm going into the game with three because Russ is a play away from getting hurt, right? And then your backup's a play away also from getting hurt, and now you're on your you're on your emergency reserved quarterback. Um, the third quarterback can enter the game only if the two other quarterbacks are not available due to injury or ejection. Mm-hmm. Um, on Monday, the league also sent a memo to all teams elaborating on the rules. For example, the player must be a, quote, bona fide quarterback, not a player at some other position to be the emergency quarterback. Mm. Kind of gaming the system there. Interesting. 
The memo also makes it clear that the rule should not be utilized as a way to put or keep the third quarterback in the game and that he can stay only as long as the first two quarterbacks are not available. Who determines availability? That's There's some gray area. Yeah, that's this. a very interesting one because the team doc could say this guy's not available. A club that activates an emergency third quarterback during a game will be required to file a detailed written report to the NFL player personnel department stating the reason the player entered the game. The club may be asked to provide medical records of all the involved quarterbacks for review. Team doctors and members of the athletic training staff may be interviewed as well. The league office also reserves its right to send the injured to send the players to see an independent physician to verify an injury. Mm. So they're going to great lengths to yeah. make sure everything's on the up and up here. Um, but just practically speaking, the 49ers last year were one of the best teams in the NFL. The third quarterback on that team to start the year was Brock Purdy. Yep. Okay, so the third quarterback could end up being an important player on your team if you suffer some injuries. Now, Russell Wilson had three injuries last year. We don't know about Jared Stidham's durability. But this league or this rule was made conceivably to avoid what happened to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, where they went into that game with only two quarterbacks. But they've allowed a emergency third quarterback for a couple of years now. So why did the Niners not have a, like enough quarterbacks in that game? That's a good question. Well, they had two, right? They went into it with Purdy and um, Josh, Josh Jacobs, right? Josh Johnson, yeah. Josh Johnson. And then, I mean, both of those guys ended up getting knocked out. I mean, yeah. this rule helps in the, the sense of just that game day atmosphere, right? And there was 46 guys, I think, that you're allowed to activate on game day to not... To be able to have another another quarterback up in, in an emergency case, I think that's a win. So I think that just this is a good thing for the NFL overall, in my opinion. It shows that the league is evolving. It shows that they're paying close attention to what happened last year in the championship game. There's different ways to go about finding your franchise quarterback. But do you think there's coaches around the league looking at what the 49ers are doing with Brock Purdy and saying, I'd like that model? Oh, of course you would. Uh, well, uh, you want to you want to be able to capitalize on the quarterback's salary is what you want to do as a franchise because that allows you to build the rest of the team around because quarterback salaries are all are out of whack and once you're forced to commit to that you're facing a situation we are here in in town where Russell Wilson is paid like one of the top players in the game and if he doesn't perform like that then you got to make a very difficult decision on when to move on how to move on how much dead dead cap are you willing to eat up so for the 49ers situation with Brock Purdy because even if whether it's Anthony Richardson with the Colts, because he gives the Colts a window. He makes a lot more than Brock Purdy does, but relative to other quarterback salaries, when you come in as a rookie, your salary is a completely manageable thing. So your best window to achieve a championship is when this quarterback is still under his rookie deal. So whether it's Brock Purdy and Mr. Irrelevant or Anthony Richardson with the fourth pick in the draft, you've got to get your team around him built up as quickly as possible to take advantage of this guy before he's commanding 10%, 12%, 18% 10%, 12%, 18% of your salary cap. Any chance Ben DiNucci's the next Brock Purdy? I don't think so. Why? I've seen enough of Ben DiNucci, particularly uh, with the Cowboys, where you know he did not have the same Brock Purdy-esque uh, calmness in the pocket, uh, comfort with the game plan. Just the, 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 I saw Brock Purdy play at Iowa State. I called one of his games. So he was very smooth then. Not the greatest talent from a physical perspective, not the greatest arm talent, but clearly had a comfort within the pocket and knew how to operate the offense. So 
So Kyle Shanahan has developed this crazy offense with all the different run plays and all the different gadget components to it. All he needs his quarterback to be able to do is to be cool, calm, and go through his progressions and not, he doesn't have to be outstanding. He just needs to be good. What separates Brock Purdy from a lot of quarterbacks, in my opinion, has been his off-schedule plays, the plays that Kyle has designed up and said, oh, you know what, this play is going to work no matter what, but then defense gives you something else, and there's no way that no where to go, and Brock Purdy didn't force it. He found a way to buy time. He found a way to get the ball down the field and be uh, progressive in a situation that really should have just been a dead play. So the off-schedule things have been the kind of outlier where Brock Purdy now has separated himself from other people. When you look at these other quarterbacks who have played already, off-schedule-wise, I mean, Ben DiNucci hasn't done anything great. Just Do you see the fourth and three? Did he fumble the ball on the sideline? Like, that was like, hey, you know, that's a off-schedule. So I, I think he has proved that he can't be a Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy is one of one in my opinion. Yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan loves working with Brock Purdy because he's like, you know, he's like a lump of clay. You can mold him. He's not, he's not rigid. He's, he's, he's open to being coached. He's going to do what you ask and he's cheap, like Chad said. And I think Sean Payton probably thinks similarly to Kyle Shanahan when it comes to quarterback. I think Sean Payton would r- much rather be the sculptor of a beautiful lump of clay than an art collector who inherits a finished piece, mm. especially when that piece may fall out of style. Mm, look at you. Deep understanding over there. All right, hey, deep understandings here on the Players Club. That's it for us. Stick around. Stokely and Zach, they're next.